brought to you by MuleSoft. Visit MuleSoft.com to find out how MuleSoft's API-led approach to connecting apps, data, and the Internet of Things can revolutionize your businesses. Hi, I'm David Berlin, Editor-in-Chief of Programmable Web. Today is Tuesday, March 17th, 2020, and this is Programmable Web's Developers Rock Podcast. With me today is Ani Pandit. He is the Director of Solutions Engineering at MuleSoft, and MuleSoft has just released their new Connectivity Benchmark Report. We want to dig into that, but first, Ani, thanks very much for being here on the show. Uh, thanks, David, for having me over. Uh, it's great second, to have you. Second year in a row now. Second year in a row, that's right. We caught up on this uh, connectivity benchmark report that you guys did last year. The first question I want to ask you, though, is for those people who don't know what MuleSoft is, what is MuleSoft? Um, all right, let's start there. So MuleSoft provides a platform that necessarily help companies kind of achieve their digital transformation initiatives. Mm -hmm. And we do that by helping them easily create connected experiences for their customers, their employees, or partners. And we do that by helping them easily connect all their business systems, uh, their data silos and devices, IoT devices, uh, by means of APIs, uh, you know. And our platform kind of helps these companies kind of streamline API and integration lifecycle and help them strategically stand up API programs to help them build these integrations and connected experiences faster. What's an example of a connected experience? So um, I'll use you know something that most um, people would relate to is when they go online and uh, they search for you know a product or a service, right? Uh, I for example recently I was looking for um, a tennis ball machine online. I went to Google said hey, hey which are the best uh, ten tennis ball machines. And then it gave me 10 different products. And from there, I went to Amazon. I looked at that product, looked at the reviews, went to Yelp, looked that one up, and then went to a local store that had, you know, the device there and talked to the people over there. And then I went back online to the uh, company's website and through their e-commerce platform, I actually bought it. Mm -hmm. So a couple of days later, I realized that the uh, device was not uh, sh uh, shipped to me. So what I did was I called in the call center to find out where my order was and they uh, expedited that shipment. I got it and you know I started using it. So when you think about this uh, journey of a uh, consumer, in this case myself, uh, interacting with this brand across many, many different channels from the time where I'm researching the product to experiencing the product, to going and, you know, uh, uh, buying and paying for the product, and then even getting after purchase support from the vendor, that's, that's the experience we're talking about. And a lot of customers, uh, when they say connected experiences, they want to deliver a very uh, linear experience in the sense that um, the customer doesn't feel that they are working in isolation or working in silos with different parts of the business where they have a unique experience with the brand 
and a consistent experience with the brand as they move through that customer journey. So when you connect these siloed systems behind the scenes, it allows you to create something that's much more seamless and frictionless from the beginning to the end of the journey. Is that what you're saying? It, it, exactly. Yeah. Like typically you would imagine, you know, like most organizations on average have close to 900 to 1,000 applications. Uh, and when you think about uh, our typical customer experience, it, you know, spans around 35 to 37 different systems where information and data are being collected. So if you think about delivering a consistent, linear, and uh, unique experience to that particular customer, you're thinking about integrating and connecting all these 35, 37 different systems to deliver that you know, consistent experience to the customer. So yeah. you're absolutely right, David. It's all about you know, getting the connectivity of your platforms and your data to deliver that unique customer journey for your uh, constituents. Well, you just mentioned that there are like 900 applications at these organizations, and that is the data that I also saw when I previewed this connectivity benchmark report, that there's somewhere between 900 and 1,000 applications at these companies. But something else I saw in the report was that somewhere around only 28% of companies actually had these applications integrated with each other. Uh, and you're talking about how important this is to create this sort of 360 degree view of the customer. Well, if only 28% have them integrated, that doesn't speak well of the other 72%. Uh, is that something that's changing at all from year to year? You did this report last year and I think the data was pretty much the same. Yeah, that's a great observation. It's remained pretty flat over year over year. And my assessment of this is a few things, right? First, first of all, as uh, I've been talking to a lot of leaders across the board in different uh, industries, and a common thread of what they are seeing is they've been retiring a lot of applications, um, you know, uh, legacy ones, mm -hmm. uh, some, some that are not useful as their businesses have evolved. But on the other side, they have accelerated, you know, bringing in newer business functionality that enables them to be more competitive in the business. So with that, what's happened is there's more and more demand uh, in terms of building these connected experiences for their IT team. So uh, even though there has been some progress in modernizing older systems, but the whole increase in number of applications that the business is kind of adapting, uh, you know, statistically doesn't show uh, a market improvement in terms of, you know, integrated applications as such. Now you're talking a little bit about making these changes and digitally transforming internally. Another data point that I saw had to do with the number of organizations that are looking at integration as a means of solving internal problems, but may, may not be necessarily looking outward. This idea of operating in two different modes. Sometimes people call it two-speed IT. I don't think the report refers to it that way. But what's happening on that front? Are organizations seeing the connection between operating in those two different modes and something like improved efficiency overall, better, better efficiency than their competitors or better revenues than their competitors? Yeah, so uh, th this is a great question because it talks to some business strategies, right? 
Um, certain organizations are primarily focused on delivering the right experience, but they are thinking about delivering that by driving internal efficiencies. And, you know, uh, and that helps them improve margins as part of their customer interaction. And there are certain set of uh, customers uh, who are thinking about, hey, we need to, you know, grow our top line revenue and show growth in terms of introducing new products and services and deliver those products and services through these new experiences. So that, those two strategies kind of talk to where we are seeing the industry or, uh, you know, most of our customers kind of uh, drive these strategies around modernization, right? So when we think about uh, driving internal efficiencies, we are looking at customers uh, and companies that are taking APIs and taking these modern strategies to drive better automation of their business processes where they can integrate these systems to deliver these experiences. Um, and this includes a legacy modernization where, you know, access to say like a mainframe or a legacy database um, in custom applications on the back end uh, are being driven through, you know, modern age APIs and their core focus in that first phase of transformation is to drive accessibility to these uh, legacy systems and be able to tap the data that have been, um, you know, uh, locked into these applications over many years in these organizations. So that's one aspect, which is the majority of uh, companies uh, that were surveyed in this uh, uh, report, uh, which uh, they talked about. And of course you're talking about, when you talk about taking a system like a mainframe and modernizing it, fronting it with APIs, we're literally talking about, that's one of those 900 systems that needs to be integrated with something else, which may not be uh, a legacy system, it may be a modern system, but at the end of the day, whether it's new or old, these are those 900 systems that have to be pulled together to create those connected customer experiences you're talking about. Exactly, I'll give an example just to illustrate, you know, even though this is like one of the systems, they, uh, they become really core to some of the businesses. Like for example, uh, I was working with one of the largest banks um, in Europe um, on one of their open banking initiatives and primarily their entire credit card services um, and core banking system is running on a mainframe. So pretty much, you know, 90% of what they do in that particular line of business is driven through mainframe. And as part of their business strategy, they were trying to build a newer customer experience uh, with an application that would help their uh, credit card customers, you know, become much more um, uh, better at spending money and driving points and loyalty with the bank. So they wanted to create a mobile app. Now think about, you know, the impedance mismatch between the experience you're trying to drive in a modern mobile app and a, uh, you know, green screen uh, data that you're seeing in a mainframe, right? And that's where APIs come in handy uh, where these type of companies are using APIs to modernize and bridge that impedance between a modern engagement layer and a legacy, uh, you know, uh, data. Right, so getting that information that's typically viewed on a green screen and moving it into uh, a really slick mobile front end that customers can use on their smartphone. That's right. And that becomes a foundation for them to, you know, unlock this uh, information from their mainframes into other applications as well. Uh, going forward. So setting that foundation 
has been a core focus for a lot of the companies that were surveyed uh, in this particular benchmark report. And there I think you're, you're talking about the reusability. Once you've got an API that's open for access to, let's say the new mobile app, you can reuse that API in some other innovative way. Yeah, so this is a good point you're making. That is the hope that, you know, when people are driving these strategies, one thing that came out of this uh, a benchmark report was 80% uh, of IT leaders identified that APIs were super critical uh, for them to drive this digital transformation. But also a lot of them re uh, also reported that they were not necessarily building APIs that were reusable. So this is where you know, I see uh, an opportunity for a lot of organizations to start thinking more strategically in how they build you know, building blocks, which are these APIs that can become more reusable um, that help them accelerate the speed of uh, newer initiatives and newer projects uh, down the road. And this is one way where they can change the clock speed of their organization, where rather than you know, uh, starting from scratch by reusing some of these frameworks, they are basically accelerating um, you know, their ability to deliver these new initiatives. Yeah, so uh, I, I think what you're getting at is that organizations have to include more stakeholders in the API strategy conversation. Like, hey, is this API going to be reusable in multiple places? If not, what do we have to do to make it that way so that it, it serves the entire organization and not just one application? Because if you end up with sort of a one-to-one -one relationship between the final API and some application and it doesn't get reused, you're losing out on a whole bunch of potential efficiency. Uh, exactly. You know, in my observation, I've seen two or three different types of approaches. Uh, just to talk, you know, add a little more color to what you just summarized there, uh, which is a very important point. A lot of organizations uh, last year did recognize that, you know, APIs were extremely critical for them to deliver these integrations and connected experiences, whether it was for internal audience or an external audience. Um, but how they went about doing it, um, the data in this report shows a very marked difference. Um, there are certain organizations that took an API strategy much more isolated from the rest of the organization. It was very project focused and not necessarily as a strategy that was holistic. And in some instances, they were strategies that were only line of business focused. And they did see some efficiencies and you know, benefits out of that. And there were very few organizations, less than 25%, um, that you know, took this to the next level where they said, this has to be a top-down strategy where we can drive the most efficiency and effectiveness across the organization and be able to you know, uh, uh, realize a consistency in doing that. And that, that directly talks to exactly what you're saying is, how do you transform an organization by building these building blocks that are reusable and recomposable so that you can drive better uh, agility and effectiveness in delivering new product services or optimizations in business processes. Let's jump on that top-down approach because I did read in the report that the organizations that were most effective were ones that had more of a top-down approach here. 
And to me, I think, uh, in my personal view, that sounds problematic. I mean, uh, we all know about the famous memo that Jeff Bezos sent out to everybody at Amazon that from now on we're going to take this more, more of this, uh, you know, services-led approach where every system has a service layer on it, like an API. And mm -hmm. if, you do, if you don't do it, you're going to get fired. Like that was a, back in 2002. Very famous mm -hmm. uh, and speaks to it's great when the leaders of the organization really get it, right? But in truth... All of those businesses out there all around the world don't have leaders like Jeff Bezos who are thinking on these terms. And at some point, it seems to me like this has to come from within the organization. It has to be the people who are working, uh, facing customers, people who are working in the accounting department, who are the ones who, if they are aware of the potential of integration, getting these 900 systems connected to each other, just exactly how they can move the business forward. It's got to be driven from in. If we just wait for all of this top-down approach to happen, I think we'll continue to be stuck. We won't be seeing a lot of change in this data from one year to the next. I don't know what your opinion of that is. Um, I, I, I would concur with what you're saying. There needs to be pragmatism. Let, let, let me chime in on the Jeff Bezos comment that you made. Let's look at Amazon back in 2002. It was still an upcoming company, completely built on modern technology. They, they did not have challenges like, you know, a 150 year old insurance company or a banking company or, you know, a 70 year old retail company uh, has in terms of uh, tech, tech debt or, um, you know, a mandate in terms of uh, organizational culture where you have leaders who can actually drive um, you know, such a change, right? Um, so you cannot necessarily uh, do that in certain organization just because of the culture of it. So mm -hmm. your observation is spot on that, you know, certain organizations are not built for a top-down specific mandate to be most effective. It has to be grassroots driven, but there are uh, methods and methodologies that can be mandated uh, as part of, you know, uh, uh, organization for them to be able to deliver the right kind of um, bottoms up strategy. Like, for example, one example you brought up was people who are closer to the customer. As long as you, uh, you know, take your design cues of whatever you're building, whatever experience you're building, by taking feedback from you know, your constituents or people who are gonna consume your products or services or your applications and design your applications that way, it can basically drive a lot of behavior in teams and project teams and lines of businesses in how they build um, their experiences and their applications. Um, what I'm seeing uh, also in some of the organizations I've worked very closely with who are doing this legacy modernization as their foundational layer for that first phase of digital transformation, they're taking a design thinking approach to identify what are the core assets that they should build that are gonna be reusable for the long term. So having uh, uh, set up some time to think through that and being able to build those assets early on gives you a lot more value down the road and they're seeing you know 70 80 percent productivity in in their teams when they think about this bottom-up strategy so i would say in terms of my opinion based on my observation it depends on the organizational uh, culture 
to have both a top-down and a bottom-up uh, strategy. But you know, it should always come from a place where you're always thinking about the consumer of your application or your services or your product. That's a huge cultural shift. And touching on that cultural shift, one other thing that I spotted in the report, which really jumped out at me, was, I'm going to read it here, 69% of the people surveyed felt like they were keeping the lights on versus innovating. So you've got IT directors here responding to the survey, say the grand majority of them saying they're just keeping the lights on. Uh, mm -hmm. That just seems to me like, how, how is it possible that any of these organizations are going to get these cultural changes in place, even, and even if they do, if they're spending so much time just keeping the lights on, they can't innovate, what's gonna happen? Yeah, uh, so this is exactly why we see, you know, not a market change in from last year is because of this delivery gap that we spoke about a few minutes earlier. Uh, what's happening is the demand on IT, like IT budgets are not increasing that much. It's less than 10% year over year uh, on average, right? And the number of resources in those organizations aren't growing, uh, you know, markedly either. Uh, so basically you have a certain finite uh, uh, set of resources, but the demand from business is significant. They are like, let's bring in, you know, big data analytics, uh, let's do, you know, some marketing initiatives. Artificial and intelligence. And intelligence and AI and bot yeah. automation. And they're bringing in all these concepts which are completely new to deliver these newer experiences. But what, what the IT teams and leaders are tasked with is not only bring in these newer and adopt these new technologies and deliver these new projects, but also you know, endure the legacy aspect and support those things, right? So the pace of innovation hasn't accelerated, even though IT leaders have been, uh, you know, doubling down on building the building blocks for modernization through uh, DevOps and uh, cloud first and uh, APIs and integrations. Uh, their strategy in terms of execution is where there is a lot of opportunity for us to focus on and be able to, you know, uh, drive efficiency so that, you know, next year we can start seeing uh, benefits out of that where we start seeing more innovation coming out of these organizations. Yeah, 6931, I mean, I have a really clear image of a guy standing by a light switch just praying that the mainframe stays on and pa keeps <laughs> powering all those applications. But, you know, what you're saying, I think, is that in some ways, uh, an API-led, holistically thought-out strategy uh, is one that can help deal with that 6931 split. You're not getting more budget, but if you can get more efficient about how you're delivering this end-to-end -end customer experience, these 360-degree three, views of the customer, the integration of these 900 different applications, uh, you can essentially find a way to uh, drive more innovation eventually. You're saying, exactly. you're saying in a year, so are you saying that one year from now, when I come back and I interview you, we're going on two years now, we'll, we'll do it a third year in a row, when I come back, there's gonna be a big change here? Yeah, so there are two critical aspects, right? What I wanna uh, see is this. 
Um, for any organization who's already thinking, and 80% of ID decision makers uh, in this report suggested that integration and API strategies were very key to their transformation success. Uh, but there are two things that are very critical for this. One is building a culture of self-service and building um, you know, reuse into that strategy. As long as uh, it, you do those two things, I would definitely, you know, see a lot more uh, acceleration in terms of innovation. Because when I see just the um, organizations who are using these two uh, tenets as a key constituents of their API strategy, we are seeing 67% more productivity in these uh, organizations, right? Uh, and that is just an anecdotal data coming out of this uh, uh, benchmark this year. So that's, where you, that's where you can close that delivery gap. Exactly. This is where the difference is between these 26% organizations and the other 73% organizations. Well, those 26% 20, those of those organizations are going to end up ruling the world if the other ones don't get on board pretty quickly. I, I hope not, and I hope people uh, see that this is quite essential to drive and uh, you know bridge the gap, this delivery gap. Ani, where can everybody go to find all the insights in this report? So we, we have published the benchmark uh, report, the connectivity benchmark report on MuleSoft uh, website on our resources section. Okay. And uh, it's free to download and um, you know consume. Okay, well, we're out of time. I want to thank you very much for joining us. We've been speaking with Ani Pandit. He's the Director of Solutions Engineering at MuleSoft. Ani, thanks very much. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me over. We'll see you next year. For Programmable Web, I'm David Berlin, the Editor-in-Chief. If you want to see more videos like this one, you can just come to programmableweb.com where we not only have the video, but we'll have the full text transcript of this and all the other videos we've recorded. Also the audio only version, if you want to consume it as a podcast on your smartphone. And if you want to, want to watch the video on our YouTube channel, just go to www.youtube.com slash programmableweb. All of our videos are up there. Until the next podcast, thanks very much for joining us. <laughs>